Everybody doing okay? Awesome. It's going to be an awesome, awesome Sunday, is it not? So, um, Josh and I, we are kind of sort of starting a new uh, little mini-series, I guess. We are going to be looking over the next couple of weeks some of the healing stories of Jesus. And so... Um, I'm going to share for a couple weeks here, then Josh is going to share. We have a guest speaker uh, when I'm in Africa for the last Sunday of the month, and guest worship leaders. Uh, yeah, you're not going to want to miss that. That's going to be really cool coming up. And then we're going to get into a book study on the book of Ephesians. So um, for today, we are going to be, and I can't figure this out, guys. So Eric, I'm going to let you run through these slides with me, okay, if you don't mind. We're going to look today at a story. Most of you are probably familiar with it. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. And uh, we're going to be looking at Mark's account. Um, Matthew's account gives two blind people. Mark's account gives one account of blind Bartimaeus. And Luke's account actually gives one account of one blind man, but it doesn't mention his name. So it doesn't mean the Bible contradicts itself. It simply means that the writers chose to uh, put in or leave out certain instances. Bartimaeus was probably maybe more of the prominent one for whatever reason. So Mark chose to include his name and just focus on him. Really quick before I start, uh, talk about healing. I want you to know firsthand, I fervently believe in God's power to heal, not just back then when it happened, but I fully believe that today. I really do. I believe in God's physical, divine healing. He can and sometimes chooses to heal any disease, sickness, injury he wants. I believe that wholeheartedly. However, as we dig into some of these stories, I don't want us to forget some of the spiritual connection to these healings because uh, first and foremost, we have a heart that needs healed by God. We are sick with sin, separated from God, and I would rather you have a crippling disease and know Jesus because you've understood what he's done for you and you've accepted him and he has healed your heart of its sin and you go to heaven then for you to be physically healed but you still have something wrong with your heart. Does that make sense? Because one is eternal, one is temporary. Because of sin in general, we are all going to die once, the scripture says, and then we stand before God in judgment. But when God chooses to heal your heart, when you sense him speaking to your heart, and you believe that he is the one true God, and he sent Jesus for you, and you ask him to come into your life, recognizing you are a sinner separated from God, your heart begins to heal and the Holy Spirit moves in and it doesn't matter what happens to us physically, we have at that moment eternal life. And so today as we look at blind Bartimaeus, we're going to be talking a little bit about spiritual blindness. All right, so let's, what I want to do is I want to just turn uh, to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start and we're going to read verse 46. We're just going to read through 52. 
Then I'm going to go back and we'll pick it apart a little bit, okay? So in case you don't know the story, or you've forgotten some details, let's read through it together. It says this, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. All right? Before coming to Jesus, all of us know what it's like to beg. We are all beggars in some sense, right? We want, I want, gimme, 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 I want this, I want that. We are living life for self before we knew Jesus. And so we know what it's like to beg. We know what it's like to put our trust in or to rely on something other than God who is the true source of life. We know what it's like to, to put our trust in other things, whether it be money. I'm sure uh, Bartimaeus here was uh, begging for money because he needed to rely on other people to meet his needs. But his real need was what? His real need was that he needed to see. He didn't need money. Oh, he could use it, but his real need is that he needed his sight. How might we still need some spiritual sight? You know, we can all get a little blinded at times every now and then, right? We, get a little, we take our eyes off of Jesus a little bit and we begin to focus on circumstances and, and we have some blind spots and we become a little bit blinded. And I want us to know this morning that that blindness, even if we're born again, it's easy to get a little blinded to some of the things God wants to do. And when we are blinded, whether it's permanently or temporarily, or physically or spiritually, that blindness costs us, doesn't it? I'm reminded of one of my friends when I was youth pastoring in Charleston, Illinois, and you'll have to get a little creative as I walk through this with you. But one of my youth pastor friends, who was youth pastoring in Decatur, I was youth pastoring in Charleston, and he didn't know our facility, our church facility very well. And he, uh, my offices were like way over there, and he walks in the back door. When you walk in this church that I was youth pastoring at, you have a women's restroom on the left and a men's wet restroom on the right, but immediately to your right, when you come in from the outside doors, there's this hallway. And um, Tim was not, physically blind, but it was a bright, sunshiny day out, and you ever walk into a darker building, and even though it's not pitch black, but because you walk in from outside where it's totally bright, and now you can't see? Well, Tim, he walks in, and mind you, Tim is shorter than I am, and he weighs no, probably, at least at that time, twice as much. I mean, he's probably 350 plus. Okay, so Tim walks in and he thinks this hallway leads to my office. Well, one thing I haven't told you, when you turn to your right and you start to take one step and maybe two to the hallway, 
It's not a hallway leading to my office. It's stairs leading to the basement. So, I know I'm laughing. That's terrible, isn't it? But Tim finally makes it into my office. I didn't, even, I didn't know he was here. He comes into my office kind of like this. I'm like, dude, what's wrong? He's like, I just fell down the stairs. Instead <laughs> of what? I said, because, and when you, when you go down the stairs, you get on the platform, and then it makes the turn to the left, and so I, I could tell he was okay, and we were close. I'm like, well, well did you make the turn? Because, yep, I made the turn, too, so he fell down, hit a wall, and fell down again. Uh, blindness costs you, whether temporary or as long, or, or forever whether physically or spiritually. And so the point is this morning, let's go back, let's take a look at the story and see what God might be wanting to speak to us about and challenge us. So let's go back, let's read, I'm gonna read verses 46 and 47. Then they reached Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Barabbas heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now I want to stop here for a moment. Uh, Barabbas yells out two things. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so this term, son of David, is actually a reference to uh, to a title of the promised and coming Messiah. Now, still at this time, a lot of people knew, especially if you were Jewish, Jewish, you were still waiting for a Messiah to come and to set you free. So this blind beggar knew enough of God. I'm guessing he was Jewish. I don't know for sure. But he knew this term, son of David. All right? And so it was a reference and a title to the coming Messiah, God had promised King David that what? That one of his descendants would reign forever on his throne, on his throne, and some of the Jewish traditions of the day portrayed this coming Messiah as a powerful healer. Well, this beggar doesn't just need money, he needs his sight. And so he knew this term. He heard Jesus was coming by and shouted, Jesus, son of David. Now, um, I'm guessing he probably referenced Malachi 4.2. Let me read this to you. This is an Old Testament uh, prophet who had prophesied about this coming Messiah. This is what it says in verse 2. But for you who fear my name, for you who know my name, who respect it, who honor it, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves set out to pasture. Okay, again, if you grew up Jewish, you grew up learning about the one true God, you grew up knowing Genesis, you grew up knowing the minor prophets and the major prophets, and so the term son here, yes, it's S-U-N, even though he's also the S-O-N, <coughs> 
The sun is a creation of God, appointed as one of the great lights in heaven to rule over the day. Genesis 1, 14 and 15 talks about that. The sun, S-U-N, was appointed one of the great lights in heaven to rule over the day. And every new day begins with its rising. Okay? And so here this blind beggar sees Jesus, believes him to be obviously the son of David, the coming Messiah, who has healing in his wings. So he shouted, Jesus, son of David. Then he said this, have mercy on me. See, it was also very notable and noted in the day that the Messiah would also be known for his compassionate, merciful rulership in which he would finally forgive Israel of her sins and set Israel free. And we now, those of us living in, in the days of the New Testament, know that Jesus did not just come to set Jewish people free from Rome, but Jesus came to set you and I free from our slavery to our sin. And Bartimaeus knew this. He knew about God's merciful, compassionate side. And so even though he was blind physically, he seemed to know more spiritually than people who could see physically, but obviously were a little blind spiritually. Now, if we do a little research, I know just a little bit, there's not too many instances where Jesus is called son of David or this phrase, have mercy on me, unless it's coming from someone in need of healing. The Pharisees, even though they knew the term, they sure didn't refer to Jesus that way. The religious leaders of the day, the scribes didn't, people that didn't know him didn't. This blind man was blind, yet spiritually he understood that Jesus would come and he would have healing in his wings. And Jesus taught us that he would come not to set us free from the enemy uh, of anything flesh and blood, but Jesus came to set us free of our heart and what's in it. And I'll, I'll just give you three S words that I think rule our hearts when we don't know Jesus. Sin, self, and Satan. That's what you and I at one time, or maybe some of us today, are enslaved to. When you do not know Jesus, when you have not put your trust in him, you are enslaved and you live for sin, self, and Satan. And Jesus wants to give us, let me give you three H words that I think will help rule over. Once, he, once we understand who he is, what kind of healing he can bring to our hearts so that we're set free from sin, from self and our selfish ways and from Satan. Write these three words down. Holiness, humility, and hunger. Satan is known as the little G God of this world. The Bible says in Corinthians, in Corinthians that he has also blinded us. And it's not until Jesus comes and reveals himself to us that our eyes, the eyes of our heart, are opened and we understand and Jesus has come to set us free. He's come to make us holy. 
He's come to make us humble, and He's come to make us and keep us hungry for the things that really matter. The kingdom of God. Life. Eternal life. Found in Christ. The opposite of sin is holiness. The opposite of self is humility. Pride is the opposite of humility, and it's full of self. And the opposite of Satan, I think, this word hungry. Remember, we've, we've shared the analogy before of the, of the uh, Native American uh, out with his grandpa and a little boy, and he's talking about two wolves, and, and there's a good wolf within us, and there's a bad wolf within us, and, and the little boy says, Grandpa, which one, which one wins? And what's he say? The one you feed. And so if you and I will learn how to be hungry for Jesus, how to be hungry for God's word, we will rule over Satan. We will have power in Christ over him. So what are we hungry for? We're going to find out more about Bartimaeus and what his kind of attitude was. So in other words, this man who was physically blind seemed to understand and spiritually see Jesus more clearly than those with physical eyesight. We talked about that. How often are we focused on the physical stuff around us we're so focused on that that what? We miss or we are blinded from the evidence of God in our lives, from the movement of God in our lives, from the workings of God in our lives. And maybe it's time some of us begin calling out to Jesus in humility, saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me for my sin. Help me to see you. Help us to see. I don't know about you, but I would rather have circumstances around my life not always go as planned, but I would constantly, no matter the circumstances, see the evidence of God, see the workings of God, see the miracles of God, hear the whispers of God during those circumstances than I would all the circumstances of my life lining up just how I think they would be smooth and missing out on what God was wanting to tell me, show me, do around me, through me, whatever. Does that make sense? We have the opportunity to see just like blind Bartimaeus. But we have to at first admit that we are blinded. We have to first admit that our focus is a little bit too much on our situation or our circumstances or what's going on around us physically that we can miss out on the evidence and the workings and the miracle and the movement of God in and around our lives. And I don't want to miss out on that. We're 10, 11 days away or so from going to Africa and I see my brothers and sisters the Benninger family, they're here with us today, and um, they're, they're, well, Jen and Maddie's going with us, but I can guarantee you, and they can speak probably more, with more credibility than me, I can guarantee you when we get to Africa, oh, we have a plan, we have an itinerary, I can guarantee you everything's not going to go as planned. I can just, I, I have been to Africa once, but not this part, but it doesn't matter God's going to do something. We don't have it all figured out.
figured out. And I would rather that happen, even if we face some scary moments, but know the whisper of God. See the evidence of God. See the working of God. See the movement of God. I would rather that happen than everything goes planned and we come back and we're like, man, I, I just, I miss God. I went to Africa and I missed God. I do not want that. So you guys can be praying for that for me. I want to spiritually see what God wants to do, what he wants to say, where he wants us to go, when he wants us to go there or stay. And that's what I want for you in your life. Life is not going to be smooth just because you give your life to Christ. In fact, it's probably going to get a little bit more bumpy. It probably is. But God promises to be in us, to walk with us, to strengthen us. And that's what he's saying. Let's go on and read. I think we're at verse 48. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. Now, there's an easy, obvious application here. The crowds are yelling what? Be quiet. You're just a nobody. You can't do this. The master doesn't care for you in this way. You're just a beggar. So many voices in your life, whether they be the world, your own mind, family, friends, what are we doing? We are listening to them instead of hearing the call of the master. Blind Bartimaeus, what did he do when the crowds told him to shut up? What did he do? He yelled all the more louder, it says. I love that. There's so much to learn from blind Bartimaeus right here in this passage. If he were here today, he would tell you, guys, you got to stop listening to the wrong voices. It's time to put a stop to that. In fact, if we say we have faith, faith actually says when others want to deter us from hearing the calling of God in our lives, we don't grow silent but we grow all the more loud. That's the evidence that we truly believe. That is biblical faith. When other people say you can't, we say, I'll only say I can't if God tells me I can't, not you. And we've got to learn to listen to the voice of God in our lives. When you and I refuse to be deterred, this expresses faith. We might even have Christian people trying to deter us from going to Africa or wherever. Trust me, I've had plenty of uh, experiences in my life where Christian people have told me you can't or you shouldn't or even after I've said, I really feel like God's leading me. I did not let that deter me, but I've just, I've left flabbergasted that Christian people would do that. So don't be those types of people when someone comes to you, as long as that measures up with the word of God, then we ought to be encouraged, encouraging those. So stop listening to naysayers. 
Stop listening to friends, family, if they're not giving you biblical advice. And my advice is to this, is to begin listening to God, his word, his spirit, his people, his true people. God's true people will not take you down a road that doesn't match up with the written word of God. They just won't. This blind man knew the scriptures well enough to know about the Messiah to recognize him when he came, even if he couldn't see. Now we have to remember, Bartimaeus was blind. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, could only be in one place at one time. You and I have access to God 24-7. If we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Remember, the Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming. And he knew his only hope. Here's my moment. I'm shouting out because Jesus can do something about what I need. And that's how you and I have to see it. Although we don't have to go find a physical Jesus. So many of us are still so blinded and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Where is God calling you? What is he calling you to? I love, I love when it says, uh, hey, cheer up, come on, he's calling you. I kind of need to say to you all, you're a little dead, cheer up, God's <laughs> calling you. I mean, we have, you have an exciting calling on your life, and it don't have to be this huge thing, but it might be. But let me tell you something, even what seemingly is small, if God is in it, I'm telling you, he thinks it's huge. It's what he created you for, and he can make a lot out of the little. He can Where's God calling you? What's he calling you to? What dreams are you dreaming for his kingdom? What revelation are you receiving from God? A lot of you know the story, but maybe some of you here don't. Truth and Grace Fellowship was birthed out of a revelation from God seven years ago. I wasn't even living in that tomb, neither was my family. I was prayer walking around the church I was pastoring, and we had a lousy church sign physically. And I don't know, I was walking and praying for our church, and I looked at that sign, and I didn't see our lousy sign. I saw this picture of Jesus who had his head back, and he was smiling, and it said, Trace across the top. There was this tracing paper like over him, and someone had a hand with a pencil, and they were tracing the picture of Jesus. And that's where really this church got its beginning. The name Truth and Grace Fellowship, the word trace is a combination of truth and grace. We are to trace our lives after Jesus. Our core values spell out trace, transformation, relationships, accountability, character, encouragement. I had no idea when God gave me that on a prayer walk and I went in just to write some stuff down. I would be moving to Mattoon and two churches later, we would have a church called Truth and Grace Fellowship. Only 
grace, my faith to trust him enough to write down, to, to be in prayer. You and I can put ourselves in positions that we're hearing the voice of God clearly in our lives. And there's no better position than on your knees with an open Bible. Now, if you have to literally do that, great. You don't have to literally do that. But when I say Bible open and on your knees, I mean prayerfully, meditatively reading the Bible. The Bible talks a lot more about meditating on God's Word than it talks about studying God's Word. Because when we study, we're too tempted to only have knowledge about God and we get spiritually blinded to what God wants to show us. And so when we read it slowly, prayerfully, meditatively, God begins to use the Spirit of God to help us interpret the Word of God to keep it in context of like the story with blind Bartimaeus and he can show us how that relates to your life and my life today. And even though we're blinded at times when we hear about Jesus walking by, every Sunday, every time you hear the word preached, every time you open your Bible, every time you get with God's true people, you have an opportunity to see spiritually, to hear something God wants to tell you personally, even if you're sitting in a group of people. One of my prayers, and, and, and we prayed a lot when we prayed before service, is that God would speak to you personally, not just to us as a body, but to you. And I believe if we would come ready to hear, if we would come hungry and we would come humbly and we would come with a journal, we would come with a pen or a pencil. When Josh is speaking, we're taking notes. When the worship team is, is playing, we're singing along with it and then a thought pops in our mind and we pull out our phone and we jot down our notes because it might be God. I would love for our worship, you're singing to be interrupted by God's voice saying something to you, and it's so clear you've got to stop singing and write it down. That's what I'm talking about, having the eyes of our heart open up, about spiritually not being blind in any way, shape, or form, about being ready, about being holy, about being humble, about being hungry and excited to hear from God. When God sees that in our hearts, you think he's going to more regularly speak to us? You think he's going to give us some stuff? I think so. And if it's not in our hearts, we need to do what blind Bartimaeus did. Let's continue reading. Mark, I think we're ready for verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. All right? We need to throw off things that are hindering us. And we need to jump up, and we need to come to Jesus. Whether you've never known him, or you've known him and you've drifted away, or you know him, but man, you're not spiritually seeing hardly anything. You believe somewhere deep down in your heart that God wants to show you. So strip off some of the stuff you're focused on, your hindrances. If it's a coat, it's a coat. It's blind. Again, the, the physical analogy totally relates spiritually. And we need to jump up. And we need to follow Jesus. We need to get excited about it and move towards that destination. Aren't you tired of not making a decision? I just don't know what God wants me to do. 
I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to go on and on, not making a decision, not saying yes, not saying no. I guarantee you, if you just start seeking God and showing God you're hungry, God's going to give you something to do. Pastor George shared with us the other night in our team meeting for Africa. He, he, didn't, he didn't really know God, but he, he began to be hungry for God, so he just started praying and fasting. Praying and purposely going without food, something we love, just so he could get with God, just so that he could find God, just so that he could understand how real God was. Do you think God began to speak to him? I mean, that's one of the reasons we're going to Africa is because God is speaking to Pastor George and he's creating these little bodies of believers everywhere he goes. Just the other night, he was out prayer walking. Three men, I think it was three, was it three? Three men were smoking pot. He just walked up to him, shares Jesus with him. They all three accept Jesus and they invited him to come share with their home. And I hope we get to go to that little village now. That would be awesome. Why? Because George put himself in a position of prayer to hear from God, and he threw off hindrances. He threw off what his own mind maybe was tempting him not to do. He followed Jesus because he saw and he heard what he was wanting to reveal to him, and he just took action, and he went. So Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, my rabbi, my teacher. I mean, this guy was blind physically, but he was not blind spiritually. He said, the blind man said, I want to see. Other instances of Jesus' healing touch in scripture, what did he first heal them of? Sometimes he said what? Your sins are forgiven before the healing physically came. Not with blind Bartimaeus. I think Jesus saw that he had already had his heart healed. He had already chosen faith in the God of Israel. And so he didn't need to say your sins are forgiven. He just, hey, I'm going to grant you your physical sight too. Sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to tell Jesus what we want. We need to say, Jesus, I want to see. I want to see that you're real, God. I just, I'm unsure. I don't know. I need to see, God, that you're real. If you would cry out to God, and that's your true heart's desire, I guarantee you he's going to show you if your motive's pure. I guarantee you. Some of us need just to say, I want to see God that with you. I want to see Jesus that with you. I have peace. I want to see with you, Jesus, that there's hope because my circumstance, my situation right now doesn't tell me there's much hope, but I'm going to throw off the hindrance of my circumstance and I'm going to cry out to you and I want to see God that with you, I have hope. Some of the greatest stories ever are people that chose hope in the midst of an impossible circumstance. But they put their trust in God and they have a story to tell today that's changing lives because they said, God, I know my circumstances speak right now. It doesn't matter whether you caused them or whether you allowed them in your perfect will. 
I just need to see God that there's hope. And he'll bring me, maybe it's a little piece at a time, some hope. I need to see God that there's joy. I need to see Jesus that with you there's love. There's protection. There's grace. There's mercy. There's vision. There's clarity. There's confidence. I need to see Jesus that with you there's power I want to see. And Jesus told Bartimaeus, go. Verse 52. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Let me tell you something. A lot of us in our minds are thinking, it's just so hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to follow someone when you're blind. It's a lot easier to follow Jesus when you can see. Tell Jesus you'll want to see. Worship team, come on up. I don't know how you need to respond today, but we have a couple different ways here at our church. There's a cross back there. You can literally go to the cross. If you've never given your life to Christ, or you're unsure if you've been saved or not, and you want that security, there will be people meeting you back there, walking you through. We're just the Romans road, asking you some questions, looking at scripture with you. We want you to know. Maybe you know that you're saved, but you've just been partially blind, and you just need to come and say, Jesus, I want to see. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you, but if you kneel here at the altar on my left, someone's going to come and pray with you and pray for you. If you want to kneel at the altar on my right, you can come. That's just between you and God. And God wants to meet you there. So let's take 30 seconds of silent prayer, and then we'll respond as God is leading us.